This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. West Indies winning a deserved victory here by a margin of 92 runs. England finally all out for 194. And Australia have won the 1987 World Cup final in Calcutta. They have beaten England by seven runs. Anyone is out. Pakistan have won the World Cup. England, in their third final, have been defeated again. England had never won a men's global trophy before. I'm Paul Collingwood, and I was England's captain for the 2010 T20 World Cup. Hi, I'm Kevin Peterson and I was a player of the tournament in the 2010 T20 World Cup in the Caribbean. And this is the story of how we won our first ever World Trophy. One to win, Collingwood on strike, in comes Walton, he bowls to him, hits him into the leg side, there it is, and England win. And the England team come dashing onto the field, led by Kevin Peterson, they're dashing after Paul Collingwood, the captain. I'm about to say words have never been uttered before, and that is that England are the world champions of cricket. Expectations leading into the T20 World Cup in 2010 were the expectations that led into every single World Cup that England had played in to date. You'd like to think we <laughs> thought that we'd end up winning, but history was completely against that England team. Leading up to the tournament, we had a game in, um, against the Lions in Abu Dhabi and it opened our eyes in terms of the power that these two had at the top of the order. Michael Lum and Craig Keyswetter really took our bowlers down. West Indian wickets can slow up in the middle periods. Spinners will bowl and can slow up. And if you've got two strikers at the top that can take advantage of the first six overs, then that's probably going to give us a much, much better opportunity in a game than having two guys that, uh, and without, with the greatest deal of respect to Denley and Trot at the time, they, uh, they certainly weren't match winners in T20 cricket at the top of the order. To have the guts to be able to do that at the last second, because it was last second, you know, proved to be a, a, a good decision in the end. Cricket at the top of the order. It was crash, bang, wallop at the start, and you keep crash, bang, wallop. The importance of the RPL had it basically from an experience of T20 cricket point of view. It was just the more you play, the better you become at it, the more you understand the game. And having Paul Collingwood, having Owen Morgan and myself in the setup, we started to see the way that the other teams around the world were playing, the way the other players around the world were thinking about the game. And I think that uh, it stood us in good stead to be able to make changes, necessary changes, changing the English mindset. Something that we'd picked up, myself and Kevin Peterson had picked up from the IPL, was um, the range hitting, the amount of range hitting that the guys were doing. So understanding the dimensions of the ground when you're right out in the middle, when you're on the park, understanding what the wind's doing to the ball. Everybody in the team could hit sixes, and I remember particular training sessions where we would go and practice just hitting sixes. Bowlers would bowl, and I can't imagine it was the most enjoyable practice for the bowlers and I can't imagine it was the most enjoyable practice for the net bowlers either. Every single batter from ball one walked out to just hit sixes and it was a great practice, it was a fun practice. You know the confidence that a, that a batsman gets when he's in the middle and 
and he's hitting the ball and he's only getting three quarters of a bat on it. It's still going 10 rows back into the stands. You know when you get into a game that even if they've got a boundary rider on the roll, you can still take him on. And those little things are huge in a player's conference. So if you're getting a license from from the hierarchy, from your head coach and from the rest of your players that we back you to do that, then those little sessions just give you that, you know, they just finish that conference off. And there was many sessions like that where you would enjoy yourselves hitting the ball into um, into Rosette if you could. When I practiced, I was hitting straight. I was hitting the cow corner. I was slog sweeping because I was trying to figure out for myself, if I go straight, how hard do I need to hit it to go straight to clear a boundary? How hard do I need to hit it over cow corner? Which bat am I, do I feel really comfortable using? How well am I playing at the moment to trust myself enough to give it a go if the ball is in my area? It's all these things that you've got to train your brain to be, make yourself believe that you can actually do something when the bright lights are shining. I can give you some news as well. West Indies have won the toss. Uh, not surprising with the weather around, Duckworth Lewis and all that. They've put England into bat. So a good toss there for Chris Gale to have won. He's back in the side again, incidentally. Uh, England, let's give you that team. Uh, they'll open with Lum and Kiersvetter, with Peterson at number three, Collingwood, Morgan, Wright, Bresnan, Yardy, Swan, Broad and Simon. West Indies, I, st I still believe we would have won that game if it had gone the full 20 overs. We got a good score on the board and Chris Gale does what Chris Gale does and he came out the first six overs and, and he hurt us. And Gale is forward driving for four, lovely shot between mid-off and extra cover. Gale swings it in the air and that could go for six, yes! We thought that we had actually played well and it wasn't that typical England team that just capitulated from then. Our practices got better. And we believed, you know what, the way that we played there, we've been done by the weather here. We've been completely done by the weather in Guyana. Chris Gale and Shivner and Chanda Paul are trying to stay ahead of the run rate. And unfortunately, the weather is coming into play here again. And the way that we then went into the next game, into the next game, into the next game, to the next practice, the way that the guys spoke, there was a level of confidence there to make guys believe that we could actually do a lot better than we actually thought. I was happy that we got a score up towards 200. Now that gave me more confidence as a leader, as a captain, that we could we could make these big scores. But not only that, I just I knew our bowlers, if we got it right, they were going to be the, the real weapon in Western these conditions. We had good variety in our our attack. We were coming from different heights, from different angles. We had the spin twins in the middle of Swan and Yardy. I mean, an unlikely combination, but um, two that were superbly effective all the way through. And with that, we wish you a very good afternoon. Once again, from uh, Georgetown, uh, Guyana. Rather unhappy reminder of what happened here yesterday afternoon, of course, when England lost that game by eight wickets on the, the Duckworth-Lewis. The ramifications, of course, plenty of chuntering uh, going on in the background about that uh, recalculation. But they've got to put it behind them now. We're here under cloudy skies. They're facing Ireland. We've had a very wet morning. To the, extent that the, the Ireland game was a nervy game for us. Playing an associate team, which they were at the time, can sometimes be a real banana skin. So that was that was one that we kind of got away with, but it got us through to 
the next stage. Now, if it's washed out, I can say with uh, my usual degree of virtually zero confidence um, that England would go through because of those 191 that they scored against um, West Indies. Once we got through that kind of first stage and got into the into the real games, we just built on momentum. It was like a juggernaut. Every single game, we just seemed to get better and better. The, the team did not change. People knew what their roles were, and we were enjoying ourselves off the park. We're not gonna, I'm not going to hide away from the fact that you're in the Caribbean. Enjoy it. Enjoy the beaches. Enjoy the golf courses. We were turning up at training sessions with all of our golf clubs in our golf kit. We would train hard. We would enjoy the training session. We would do the, the things that made you really confident, ready to go into the game. And then off we went straight after onto the golf courses. Some guys would go back to the beach around the pool. And um, mentally, just going into these games with laughter, with, with a smile on your face and enjoying the, the game of cricket. Okay, it's a World Cup, but you've done the hard work. You've done the preparation. Now go out there, we back you and have fun. You cannot be conservative, you cannot not be spontaneous, you cannot not be aggressive, you cannot not take risks if you want to win a T20 World Cup. You can't. You're not going to take a risk, you're going to come last, you're going to be on the first plane out of there. You don't want to be spontaneous, you're going to be gone. If you're not confident, you, you may as well not even turn up. I remember lots of conversations to the players and we're doing them in a team environment so that the whole team knew what the plan was. For example, if Michael Lum, you go out first ball and there's a left arm spinner balling at you as a left-hander, we will give you the license to take him down. Same as Keynes here, if you're facing an off spinner, we will give you the license. We don't. If you fail, we all know what the, the plan is. And that kind of freedom was so powerful in terms of when they go out there, you could see the, the relaxation on them. They just enjoyed putting the pressure on the bowler rather than the, the other way around. And um, we were in that way, we were trying to do things differently to what we'd done in other World Cups. And I think that real kind of backing and freedom from your teammates helped us all the way through the tournament. One to win, in goes Ajmal, and he bowls to Kevin Peterson. Surely man of the match, and he goes back and forces that past Afridi's left-handed extra cover. It's another boundary to Kevin Peterson, who taps his bat into his ground at this end. What a fine innings he's played. And England win by six wickets. Comes side bottom, bowls. He's bowled him, it's all over, and England win. They win by 39 runs. Having bowled South Africa out for 129. So a packed circle, England need one to win. And it's Mills running in and bowling to Breslin, who swipes into the leg side and finishes with the boundary. And a tremendous cheer breaks out. A lot of England support here to see England finish at the top of their group. They can't do any more than this. They're through to the semi-finals. They were before this match began, but they've now confirmed that status by defeating New Zealand by three wickets and with five balls to spare. I think the three games against Pakistan, New Zealand and South Africa, I think we were so dominant in the games. And we did make mistakes against Pakistan. We weren't at our best, but we still went on and, and won that game, which again gives you confidence when you're not playing at your best. But apart from that, it was it was almost we were just getting better and better. And, and the plans were working for the bowlers. And that was a key thing. We could use the winds. We were getting used to the prevailing winds out in the West Indies. We were getting used to making the batsmen 
hit the ball into the longest part of the boundary. So the skill level of the bowlers was just rising all the time and their confidence of executing plans, no matter what batsman came in, was just growing all the time. So the understanding between myself and the bowlers, what Brezzy could do in the back in the last three overs. As uh, Brezzy is on the way and he's bowled him. What Brody could do. Yeah, but what he's done, he's varied his pace beautifully. He's bowled slow balls, bounces. City was coming in with the slow ball bounces, but from a different angle. Side bottom again to Abdul Razak. He swings and it goes again. He's going to be caught, though, at uh, long off, straight into the lap of the field out there. Our spin twins through the middle were just doing their, their jobs. I mean, Swanee was instrumental in terms of, I think the opposition had so much respect for him that they just wanted to see him off. Um, but he was a real gambler of a bowler, you know, flighting it, trying to take wickets. Swan around the wicket balls again, and that's been hit in the air, and surely here Smith's going to be caught. The field is getting underneath it, takes the catch. Where Yards was just firing us with his left arm from the other the other end, and uh, they were trying to take risks against him, and he was taking wickets. There's Yarding. Possibly bowed, and reverse sweep is bowled him. All this kind of strategies and tactics were working, and... Um, we knew if we stuck to these plans, no matter who we were playing against and what abilities and skill that they had, that they were working for us. And um, I think that was crucial through that, those three games that the plans were just filled in every single game. I was on cloud nine. It was the birth of my first child. It was a very emotional time for me. And to be honest, I wasn't even really thinking about batting. I was thinking about Jess and I was thinking about Dylan the whole time I was in the Caribbean. There were bigger things out there for me than a game of cricket. I was going to always play another game of cricket. I was going to go to the Caribbean. I was going to go to India. I was going to go to Australia. I was going to go all over the place. And so that free spirit that I played with in the Caribbean served me so incredibly well. And I remember I was just thinking about flights. I was thinking about the volcano that was going off in Iceland and nearly missing the birth of my child because the plane had to fly all the way around Iceland, the top of Iceland. I chartered a jet from, I think it was from Barbados to Jamaica to get to a plane that took me from Jamaica to New York. And then from New York, I had to fly around the volcano. I got into London on the morning of when it was. I went straight to the hospital. I went and saw everything that was happening at the hospital. Dylan was born, spent the day with Jess. It was just the most emotional, amazing day. Then I went home for a couple of hours when I couldn't keep my eyes open any longer. I went home for a couple of hours, had a sleep, came back to the hospital, saw Jess, saw everything was okay. I then had a car that took me straight to Battersea Heli Station. And then from there, I took a chopper straight to the British Airways aeroplane. I remember sleeping all the way to the Caribbean. As soon as I landed, I had another chopper that flew me straight to the hotel and I went and practiced. And then the next day played the semi-final. So it was crazy. I mean, 48 crazy hours. I can tell you that Sri Lanka have won the toss and no surprise that they decided to uh, bat first today. So, looking at England out there, Peterson, of course, is back in the side. He's made it. In fact, he's just doing a roly-poly catch there, uh, practicing some uh, some slip catches. So he's back from, of course, watching uh, his baby being born over back at home in the UK. He flew back again yesterday and uh, he's ready to go at, again today. Major what you can do these days, isn't it? Just jet around the world uh, as if it were nothing. I think the thing that stands out against Sri Lanka was you need to get two big players out, and that is Jaya Surya and Tilakratna Dilshan. And T20 cricket can be um, 
it can be cruel sometimes because you might play well, but if one player in the opposition has that day, and those two players, to me, were the danger men. So to get Jai Saria early, I always remember City coming in, just swinging one away from him and, and, and catching that edge. And it was almost, it came to me like slow motion. I just, it, I knew it was such a big moment, but it, it, it just felt when it came in the air, it was like in slow-mo. I don't know why, but um, it managed to stick. And, and it was a great start to the game. You, you've gained momentum in such an important game so early on because you've got one of their big players. As Sidebottom comes in to Jayasuriya and he's edged it, he's out, caught a second slip. And then to get Dilshan, something that we'd spoken about in the team meetings. It's great when you have a team meeting and, and players really respond to them and, and talk about how you're going to get these guys out. Um, certainly in the first three balls, but where are their weaknesses? And, and we managed to get him out on the, um, the pull shot, the hook shot. We got it high enough and, um, and the ball went straight down the throat. Bresnan now to Dilshan. And Dilshan is hooking down towards the backward square leg. He comes in to take the catch and does well. Very good catch in the deep. Well judged, superbly taken. Right it is, Luke Wright coming in from deep backward square leg. The short ball, Dilshan went into the hook shot. Well judged by Wright. Those kind of things, you know when the bowlers have got their strategies and when they work, you think this could be our day. And it was, it was a comprehensive win. And to beat Sri Lanka with that top order in St. Lucia was an unbelievable effort for us. But I remember uh, uh, Ryan Sidebottom bowled so beautifully, at the top of the stumps, but it was the lengths that the bowlers bowled and it was the way that uh, the batters approached their batting in the most fantastic, aggressive nature. Kiesweta down the wicket and straight back overhead for a long six. Here's Kiesweta thumping him down the ground. This will come for four. In comes Randeep. And he bowls and that's thrashed away into the leg side. Four runs, bounce just inside the boundary edging. And the way it's going at the moment, England's going to romp this. Flew back in. I had one training session the day before. And then, yeah, I played against them. And then I remember slogging Randeep, the off-spinner. Here's a lofted shot by Peterson. He's hammered that. It's gone a very long way indeed. That's one of the biggest sixes we've seen so far. England need one to win. So the field comes in. Malinga's on his way. Peterson's ready for him. He's there. He bowls. Driven straight down the ground. As imperious as you like. And Kevin Peterson saying, we'll see you in the final, whoever it is. Wonderful shot. It seals. Victory for England. Peterson finishes on 42 from only 26 balls and they've won this semi-final with four overs to spare, which in 2020 cricket is a huge amount and they're celebrating down there in the dugout. I remember the, the celebrations after the semi-final win. <laughs> Actually, Andy Flower came up to us and said, hey, Collie, I think um, we may have to taper down on the celebrations. We're in a final now. I said, no, Andy. I said, right from the start, we've talked about having the team together and enjoying each other's company. So whether it's uh, the first game of the, the tournament or the semi-final or the final, we're going to continue to do what we've been doing. I said, we're not going to change things now. And Andy, was, you could see he was kind of reluctant, but uh, we had a big night. We, we really did. We enjoyed it. So leading into the final was very much like what we'd done before. 
you know, get the training sessions in. But we went and played golf up at Apes Hill in Barbados, I remember it. And we were actually listening, we were watching on our phones, the scorecards, Pakistan versus Australia. And we were on the, I think I was on the, the second, the par three going up the hill and Hussey was smashing it everywhere in the last over. And um, a remarkable win from nowhere. Pakistan should have won the game and, and it was Australia. I don't think talking about the opposition at that time was something that that England team did. The focus was purely on the way that we had been playing our games, the confidence that we had got from beating South Africa, beating Pakistan, beating Sri Lanka. And we knew that playing in Barbados on a wicket that Barbados presented, we would have a damn good opportunity of winning that tournament against a, a sort of Western nation because of the teams that we had beaten, the confidence that we had got from those victories. David Saker tells a great story that the Australian boys were saying, I think we've we've won it now. And David Saker, who was new, you know, an Aussie in our ranks, he was new to our ranks, couldn't believe the confidence of the Aussies. And he had to try to put them right a little bit. He said, I think you might come up against a, a pretty strong team. and. I always remember the day before, I had to go for photographs with Michael Clark with the trophy. And I sense a bit of nervousness in his voice, which I'd never really come across when I played against Australia in the past. And um, I took a lot of confidence from that, that nervousness and um, tried to relay that across to the boys. Can England end 35 years of hurt? Can they win a major ICC trophy? It's the World 2020 final. It's England against Australia at the Kensington Oval in Bridgetown, Barbados. Our whole Test match special team are there. Tony Cozier, Sir Viv Richards and first, of course, Jonathan Agnew. And out come Australia's openers into the fray. A fantastic atmosphere here for those of us who enjoyed uh, the national anthem. The one particular moment where I knew that it was going to be our day was when we were leading the mascots out to the anthems and every player gets a hold of a, of a mascot's hands and they're all lined up, the players are lined up from either end and the mascots come in and I had a, a young girl and as you do, you want to make them feel comfortable, you're asking what their name is and she looked at me and she said, my name's Lucky and I literally just kind of, the warmth in my heart I promise you, I just, I, I turned around to Brody and said, Brody, we've got this. We've got this, mate. I said, this young girl's name is Lucky. I said, that's, that is just a great sign. And off we went and we went in the line and we sang the anthems. And I genuinely just thought, we're okay today. We're going to be okay. And uh, now it all comes down to what we're going to hear uh, over the next uh, three hours or so. The uh, dancers taking up their positions. We've got uh, the opening batsman, Australia, of course, put into bat also in their position. Ryan Sidebottom's going to bowl the first. The start that we had, City was just on fire. And Sidebottom, hair everywhere, comes rushing in, bowls outside the off stump, a carving stroke, and is that a catch? It is a brilliant rebound catch at slip. Keysfetter dropped it originally as Watson there was forcing off the back foot. It went into the keeper's gloves, it bounced up, 
and Graham Swan at slip was able to pounce on it. A lucky rebound. In goes Bresden, bowls on the off stump, pushed away. Oh, some uncertainty. This could be a run out. Something that we worked on so much and discussed. If you're in the ring, we're not just hanging back in, in defence mode. It was a real tactic all the way through the, the World Cup that he would try to get as close and cut the angles down as much as possible. And it is a run out as Michael Lum runs in, underarms at the stumps. And what a huge wicket that is. It's David Warner. There was plenty of bounce and pace in the pitch, and City was really at the bit between his teeth. A long way to go, in comes Sidebottom, it bowls to Haddon, short down the leg side, Keysmetter takes it, a wonderful catch, is he out? Yes, he is out! It was just a little glove around the corner, and um, you know, the celebration, I just remember when it goes in the gloves, and everybody, you know, everybody's jumping up as it's going into the gloves, and, and the celebration straight away, you kind of just, everyone's running in, and it's like you've won the World Cup, but uh, you've got a long way to go yet. Cameron White, it's another six. Into the Sobers Pavilion, just to the left of it, in fact, into some empty seats there. It was the first time that Michael Yardy had really been taken down, which meant I had to go to plan B, and we hadn't really done that throughout the tournament, so my plan B was Luke Wright. So Wright's done a pretty good job. The first time he's bowling in the tournament, turns now and is on the way to White, it's high swirling catch, not dissimilar to the one which was dropped a while ago, and that's magnificently held. Right, he came on for one over and, and did the job. We got the wickets, Brody managed to hold on to it, and we were back to plan A again after that. But David Hussey and Mike Hussey, there are a couple of decent players in the back end of the innings, and they managed to get their scoring rate up, and they managed to give themselves a little bit of a hope. 147 wasn't enough on that wicket in Barbados. When you, you work out the numbers, 147, a runner ball 120, you've got 27 runs. 27 runs takes you five balls. You only need to hit five boundaries and you only need a runner ball. And in T20 cricket, a runner ball is nothing. 147 was never ever going to be a problem. We had to start well. We lost Lum early on, but I think the way that Keyswetter and Peterson played was really did calm the nerves in the dugout. It actually gone out there and walked the walk. Then comes Johnson, bowls to Peterson, who clears his left leg, drives him through extra cover. Out towards the boundary it goes, screams break out on the beach. Wide of the off stump, not a good ball. And Kiesvetter just thrashed it through the gully and down to the boundary. And Peterson hits it square on the offside for four. Kiesvetter's been bowled by Johnson coming round the wicket. My thoughts when Keyswetter got out was we should have this game in the bag, but you still, as a player and as a captain, you still want to go out there and, and see the game to the end. So I was nervous. I was very nervous because you're really close to getting that prize. And the closer you get to the prize, the less you think about the process. And I just wanted to go out there and, and think about how I was going to get the team over the line. And I actually had Shane Watson coming up to bowl, who's, you know, medium quick, but a guy that I thought, I really do fancy, just back yourself. We've talked about all the way through the tournament that if you back yourself, you've, you've got far more of a chance of succeeding and I'm going to try to hit him. 
into the stand because I had the prevailing wind with us. And I had some almighty hacks. They were dreadful shots. But it wasn't, to me, it's not about how pretty you've been, it's about getting the job done. And, and thankfully, I backed myself to try to take on that bowler at that time. And just when you're getting closer and closer, I think I got him away for one six and then an inside edge for four. And when you're getting closer and closer at the target, you're going, we've won this. And, you know, there's no better feeling than hitting the winning runs. One to win. Collingwood on strike. In comes Watson. He bowls to him. Hits him into the leg side. There it is. And England win. And the England team come dashing onto the field, led by Kevin Peterson. They're dashing after Paul Collingwood, the captain. And I'm about to say words that have never been uttered before. And that is that England are the world champions of cricket. It's never happened. Words can't express the feeling of winning a World Cup and running around carrying on like a lunatic. It was just crazy scenes. England, the champions, the ICC World 2020, 2010. And that's where the celebrations will continue, I'm sure. They'll go on long into the night as Paul Collingwood holds the trophy aloft. It's the first time England have ever won anything like this, but now they're celebrating there, a group of very happy young men indeed, holding high the trophy as England there are world champions at 2020 cricket. Uh, and indeed in any form of To win that tournament in the Caribbean, in Barbados, beating Australia with that team, and having never ever done that before was so so special i mean agus says and this has never been said before england are world champions at cricket so to be a part of that it just brings back the most fondest of memories when you're in it you sometimes don't realize what you're in and when you finish your career and and you look back on some of the achievements you've had that to me in in terms of that feeling I had inside myself, if you could bottle that up, you would be a very rich man, I tell you, because that was just pure elation. It was just freedom, it was happiness, it was... I don't think it can get any better than that. I really don't. It's just pure heaven. That's why you play the game. It's literally the reason you play the game of cricket and why you put all the hard yards in over the years. And to get that one feeling in your career was like, wow. I do not want this to end at all. It was fantastic. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts.